You're listening to the Annoyed Adult Podcast. very much for tuning in to the Annoyed Adult Podcast. So why don't we begin this one with another story? So in some of my classes, I asked these students, I, I pulled my students and I said, raise your hand if you can, by sight, identify someone that causes problems in the class or just doesn't want to do their work. And it's not just my class. It could be any of your classes. It could be your English class. It could be your science class, any class, any class. And not by name, but just by looking at them. And most students raise their hand. So I continued and I said, how do you know who they are? That question was quickly answered. And you know what they said? They said, because you just know. See, these students have intuition based on repeated observations. Like the problem kid leaving for the bathroom three times in a class period to go get high. The problem kid that never turns in any of their work. The problem kid that never does any work in the group projects when they're assigned a group. The kid that always acts up and makes noises in the class. The problem kid that's disrespectful to others, including the teacher. And I'm telling you this story because I got a phone call from someone I work with. And this person said, a student listened to your podcast and they could figure out who you were talking about. See, even with all the fake names I give, these kids figured it out. But you know what? I'm glad they did. Today, we're going to talk about admitting when you are the problem. I'm going to talk about why people won't admit that they are the problem and what to do if you're the one that's problematic. Then finally, I'm going to talk directly to those problem kids. So there's four points when people won't admit they're the problem. First is denial. And some people may be in denial about their role in a problem because they don't want to face the reality of the situation, or they don't want to take responsibility for their actions. So here's an example. And again, fake names or maybe real names, you will never know. Myra often arrives late to class and misses important assignments. And despite her teacher's repeated reminders and warnings, Myra continues to show up late and neglect her work. When her teacher confronts her about her behavior, she denies it's her fault and instead blames the teacher for being too strict and not understanding her situation. She argues that her other teachers are more lenient and that her personal life is stressful, which makes it difficult for her to focus on schoolwork. In this example, she's in denial about her problematic behavior of being constantly late and neglecting her assignments instead of acknowledging her mistakes and taking responsibility for her actions. She shifts the blame onto her teacher and external circumstances. In other words, it's everyone's fault but hers. Yeah, I get it. In some situations, things are really bad, right? You have kids that are homeless. You have kids that are suffering other problems. I get it. But guess what? You're not the only one with problems too. Other people that I know have problems and they solve them and they still turn in great work. I have students who don't even speak English as a first language that are getting A's because they have to take notes in their language. They go home and transcribe it. They come back. It is a problem, but they're solving that problem. Second, fear of consequences. Admitting to being the problem may lead to negative consequences, such as facing criticism or punishment. Some people may avoid admitting fault because they fear the consequences that come from it. For instance, Jacob often bullies his classmates and makes fun of them in front of others. 
And one day his teacher catches him making fun of a student in his class and calls him out for this, his behavior. And then he becomes immediately defensive and denies that he was even bullying anyone, even though his teacher and his classmates saw and heard him do it. He tells his teacher that she's overreacting and that he was just joking around. Because in this example, he's afraid of the consequences of admitting fault and taking responsibility for his actions. He fears facing criticism or punishment for bullying behavior, and he denies doing anything wrong and then tries to downplay the severity of his actions. And this fear may prevent him from learning from his mistakes and changing his behavior towards others. But other teachers like myself, we call out that bullshit right on the spot. We have teachers like that here. We just call it out. We just call it out. You're being an asshole. You're being a bully to others. Fine. I'll just correct that behavior right on the spot. I'm not going to let it slide. And certainly most teachers won't let it slide. Unless you're a weak-minded teacher, I guess, and you just let it slide. But no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to call it right on the spot. Third, self-protection. See, people may feel that admitting they are the problem will damage their little fragile self-image or self-esteem. In some cases, people may protect their ego by shifting blame onto others or denying their role in the problem. For example, Maria is a part of a group with her classmates, and she often ignores her assigned tasks and leaves her group members to do all the work. And then when her group members confront her about her behavior and ask her to contribute more, Maria becomes defensive and denies that she's not even doing her share. She tells her group members that they are being too demanding and that she's been busy with other commitments, like she has to go to work or whatever. Because in this example, she's protecting her self-image by shifting the blame onto her group members and denying her role in the problem. Because she wants to maintain this positive self-image and avoid feeling guilty or ashamed for not contributing to the project. And this self-protection may prevent her from recognizing her mistakes and taking responsibility for her actions, which can harm her relationships with other group members and negatively affect her overall performance in the project. Because we all work with these people, right? We all get stuck in these group assignments and we always have this one group member who doesn't do jack shit. I remember I was in college and I remember we had this group project and there's three of us and my partner Emmy and I, we worked and we did our part. And then when it came down to this other person, she goes, oh, I, I forgot. I forgot. I remember driving down to Waikiki on Thanksgiving and working with her at the Starbucks on Lure Street to get the part of her project done. I had to sit there with her, look at her notes, and then convert it into eight pages of typewritten uh, essay. And I was so pissed off. I was so pissed off because if she didn't do her part, we were all going to get a shit grade. And I didn't want that. But you know what she told me? She goes, oh, I was busy. Sorry. I was busy doing whatever that she was doing. What an asshole. And by the way, I even loaned her my textbooks. The end of her college graduation, I asked her for my textbooks back. And you know what she told me? She goes, oh, I'm sorry. I sold your textbook back to the bookstore. I'm like my fucking textbook. God damn it. I hate this person. And finally... This lack of self-awareness. Some people may lack the self-awareness to recognize their own shortcomings or contributions to a problem. See, they don't see that their behavior or actions as problematic. They're blind to it. And they don't acknowledge their role in the issue. I'll give you an example. Uh, how about a student that often interrupts his classmates during discussions and monopolizes the conversations? 
And despite the teacher telling him, hey, take turns speaking, he continues to interrupt and dominate the discussion. And when his teacher confronts him about his behavior and asks him to be more respectful towards his classmates, he's surprised and denies that he's interrupting anyone. And then he tells his teacher that he's, you know, he's just being enthusiastic about the topic and wants to contribute as much as possible. But he's lacking this self-awareness about his problematic behavior by interrupting his classmates, monopolizing the discussion. He doesn't see how this particular behavior is jacking up the entire workflow. Other people want to contribute too, but he doesn't see it. He thinks he's just being helpful. Now that we've talked about what is this problematic behavior, what can you do if you're the problem? So when you finally realize that you're the problem, the first thing you want to do is acknowledge your shortcomings. Take a moment to reflect on your actions and identify areas where you struggle. And be honest with yourself. Avoid making excuses or blaming others for your problems and your shortcomings. It's not other people's fault. It's your fault. Take responsibility for it and acknowledge, yeah, yeah, this is, this is terrible. For example, if everybody you run into is terrible, do you think for a second that you actually might be terrible and nobody likes dealing with you? Or how about a serial dater? You know what a serial dater is? A serial dater is someone that like goes on like 10, 15, 20 dates and they all have the same experience. Like, oh, this date was terrible. All oh, this date was terrible. Maybe you're fucking terrible. You think about that? Maybe you're the one that's a piece of shit and all these people are trying their best to get to know you. It might be you, man. Might be you. But you know what you should do after you admit your shortcomings then? You should seek feedback. Get some feedback from others. Get some feedback. Say, hey, uh, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I'm a problem. Tell me how it's affecting you. Uh, what are the strengths and weaknesses? Help me improve. Like anybody that does coaching or anybody that does sports, you ask your coach, right? How can I improve? What are the weaknesses? What are the strengths? I, I do that all the time when I do jujitsu. Like, man, I, I really suck at this particular uh, this particular submission or move. Like, how how can I be better? How can I be better? In fact, when I'm training with my friends over at where I train, I ask them all the time, like, how's the pressure? Was it too light? Was it too heavy? Like, what could I have done better? And they tell me, it's like, yeah, you kind of left your defense open here. Like, you didn't you didn't properly defend it, or you could have just done this instead. And that helps me to be better. And that leads to the third thing, is then you finally take responsibility. See, once you've identified your weakness, you have to take responsibility for your weakness. Admit to yourself and others that you need to work on these areas and that you are willing to put in the effort to improve. And you know what? You know what? Let's take the word responsibility. See, the word responsibility, we immediately see that word as being defined as a thing we need to do. But it really is your ability to respond, your response ability. What is your response ability? How are you going to handle a situation when it arises? And when you finally have that, you want to set goals. You want to set specific and measurable goals for yourself to work on your weaknesses. Break down these goals into smaller, achievable steps that you can take every day to improve. Don't take something so broad and, and wide that you're like, oh, this is so hard, to, so hard to solve. Take the problem and break it into smaller components that you can do. For example, if you're a long distance runner, you're not going to be like, I'm going to run a marathon 
and I'll do it tomorrow because I haven't trained. No, no, you're going to do the minimal training first. I'll get outside, I'll put my shoes on, and I'll start walking at a fast pace, and then you slowly build up to that endpoint marathon. Or you have these big problems, right? You have to break them down into smaller, smaller components. And when you break them down to smaller components, they're easier to manage. You ever heard that phrase, how do you eat an elephant? Well, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Finally, learn from your mistakes. Accept that you make mistakes along the way and use them as learning opportunities. Embrace the growth mindset and use your failures as motivation to keep improving. Improve, improve by using this growth mindset. What is a growth mindset? A growth mindset is something that says, fine, I am willing to be coached, I am willing to learn, I'm willing to accept, and I'm willing to be better. If your mind is so locked out that you don't have a growth mindset, then fuck it all then. You'll just be a problem child forever. But remember, admitting that you are the weakest link is not a sign of weakness. You can admit that, hey, I, I'm not good at this. That's not being weak. That's just admitting that you, you can be better. That's admitting the first step into being great. Admit that you are the weakest link. It's okay. You're not weak, and it's not admitting weakness. It is a sign of strength and self-awareness. I'll say that again. Admitting that you have a weakness is not weakness. It is a sign of strength and self-awareness. It takes courage to confront your shortcomings and work towards improvement, but it can lead to personal and professional growth and better relationships with others. So the minute you say, I'm not doing great, that's perfect. That is step one. That is step one to being great. I'm not great now, but I will be great later. Follow me. Now, if you listen this far and you're the problem kid and you still want to be a problem kid, let me give you some honest, honest critique. I'm going to speak to you now, the problem kids. Everybody knows you cause problems. You're the ones that distract others with your random bullshit nonsense and your shitty behaviors. You're the one that bother your neighbors and your classmates, and they tolerate your bullshit because they know in four years or less, you'll be out of their lives. They'll move on to something better, and you'll be stuck thinking about all the good times you had in high school. I bet you'll still talk about all those good times 10 years from now because you'll still have nothing to share. Nothing. This is the best time of your life, and it's going to be over in four years or less. But maybe you'll just be that loser that wants to trespass on campus after all your friends have graduated. But the truth is that nobody will know who you are and you'll be alone. Nobody that goes to school currently in four years will know that you even existed because you're a nobody. The only memory you leave behind will be held by the people that will still teach and work here and will use you as an example of a terrible student, of someone with terrible behaviors. And guess what? You think it's over because you leave high school? No. Your reputation will follow you. When you leave high school, you might encounter someone that you know later on in the future from school. And they'll remember how much of a problem child you were in school. And God forbid that they're the one making the decision on hiring people or approving loans or approving rentals because you put on this attitude that think people should just leave you alone. But if you really wanted to be left alone, then you should just stay out of school. Go practice living under a bridge because that's where you end up. 
I see this frequently during the first day of school. During the first couple of days of school, we always see these old students come back and they try to like blend in and we're like, hey, you don't go to this school anymore. You're trespassing. You know that? They go, no, no. I'm saying hi to my friends. I'm like, ah, uh -uh. you don't go to school here anymore. This is a school, a place of learning and education. You have graduated, which makes you a trespasser, a stranger on campus. You are not friends with any of your teachers here. And just because you have friends that go here, they don't care about you. Get out. Go do something else. What kind of fucking loser comes back to a high school after they graduate to hang out with your friends? Go do something else. Go get a job. Go be a productive member of society. But you know what? And if you're still listening to this and you're the problem child, I have an escape path for you. Would you like to hear it? All right, here's your escape path. Listen, I want you to choose stoicism. Stoicism is a philosoph Stoicism is a philosophical school of thought that originated in ancient Greece. And Stoicism is centered around the idea of living a virtuous life through the practice of reason, self-control, and the acceptance of one's fate. Stoicism teaches that individuals should focus on what is within their control and accept what is not in their control, such as external events or other people's actions. See, the Stoic philosopher Epictetus once wrote, No man is free who is not a master of himself. I'll say that again. No man is free who is not master of himself. He also wrote, We are not given complete control over our lives, but we can control our choices. We are not given complete control over our lives, but we can control our choices. So what does this mean? This means that you can accept what you can control within your power. For example, if you're always late to school, come on time. If you act like an asshole to your classmates, apologize to everyone and start over. Earn their respect and trust. Again, Stoicism states, accept what is within your control. We've talked about this. We don't tackle large problems. We don't tackle big problems without breaking them up into smaller pieces first. That's what I'm telling you. Take this big problem you have and break them into small pieces first. If you're currently the kid vaping in the bathroom because you can't stop getting high, try to break that addiction. If you're, if you're the kind of kid that can't stop talking to your neighbor during class, break that addiction. These are things that are under your control and these things are difficult. I understand you have this pattern of behavior that is difficult to break. Why do you think the weight loss industry sells pills and all these other diet gimmicks when all people have to do is just stop eating so much goddamn food? It's hard. It's difficult. I understand. But these are things that are in your control and they cost you nothing but a little self-control. Admitting you're a problem to others is not enough. You'll always be a problem if you never change. I leave that with you. All right. If you made it this far on the podcast, then congratulations. That about wraps up our show. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for being part of today's show and by supporting the podcast. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, if you thought it was great, if you think other people should hear it, then why don't you go ahead and share this link out. You'll find this Anoda Adult podcast on Spotify, on iTunes, and we'll see you again in the next episode. Aloha.